From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. Strong in faith. Christian, take good care of thy faith. For recollect, faith is the only way whereby thou canst obtain blessings. If we want blessings from God, nothing can fetch them down but faith. Prayer cannot draw down answers from God's throne, except it be the earnest prayer of the man who believes. Faith is the angelic messenger between the soul and the Lord Jesus in glory. Let that angel be withdrawn. We can neither send up prayer nor receive the answers. Faith is the telegraphic wire which links earth and heaven, on which God's messages of love fly so fast that before we call, He answers, and while we are yet speaking, He hears us. But if that telegraphic wire of faith be snapped, how can we receive the promise? Am I in trouble? I can obtain help for trouble by faith. Am I beaten about by the enemy? My soul on her dear refuge leans by faith. But take faith away. In vain I call to God. There is no road betwixt my soul and heaven. In the deepest winter time, faith is a road on which the horses of prayer may travel, aye, and all the better for the biting frost. But blockade the road, and how can we communicate with the great king? Faith links me with divinity. Faith clothes me with the power of God. Faith engages on my side the omnipotence of Jehovah. Faith ensures every attribute of God in my defense. It helps me to defy the hosts of hell. It makes me march triumphant over the necks of my enemies. But without faith, how can I receive anything of the Lord? Let not him that wavereth, who is like a wave of the sea, expect that he will receive anything of God. O then, Christian, watch well thy faith, for with it thou canst win all things, however poor thou art, but without it thou canst obtain nothing. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth.
these days when the forces of evil are devastating our land, God's people need to pray. More than that, we must engage in united prayer. Just as the apostles and the early church were of one accord gathering for prayer, the cry for our day must be, let us pray. To encourage the Lord's people to this end, let the Bible speak is pleased to offer a publication entitled, The Case for United Prayer. Presented within its pages are excerpts from the works of Jonathan Edwards, Samuel Prime, and Pastor Richard Cross. The centerpiece of the book is Samuel Prime's first-hand account of the famous New York City prayer meetings of 1857, begun by one man, Jeremiah Lamphere. This simple effort was blessed by God until prayer meetings sprang up all over the nation and ushered in a mighty revival that spread across the sea to Great Britain culminating in the great 1859 revival in Northern Ireland. To obtain your copy of The Case for United Prayer, free of charge, 
simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Case for United Prayer. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues a message called Our Lord's Lessons for Living. The passage under consideration is found in Matthew chapters 17 and 18, which contained a number of seemingly unconnected incidents from which Christ taught the disciples some very important life lessons. First, in the matter of the temple tax, the Lord Jesus paid something he did not owe, partly to avoid giving offense. Rather than insisting on his rights, he provided us with a lesson of selflessness. The second lesson involves humility. Christ had just told the disciples that he was going to Jerusalem to be crucified, to be buried, and to rise again. Yet all the disciples did was to argue about who would be greatest in the kingdom. Now here is Dr. Cairns to bring the next portion of this message Our Lord's Lessons for Living. That's the very heart of the gospel. The Son of God, owing nothing to the law, makes himself subject to the law. He makes a payment of a debt he did not owe. And he does it for people who couldn't pay their own. That is the very nub of the gospel message. If you're here this morning with a load of guilt and sin, I want you to understand that sin and that guilt will not go away by your denying it. You may seek to evade the payment of the the tribute, as it were. You may seek to evade the force and the condemnation of the law, but you cannot run forever. It is there to be met, to be faced, to be confessed. But wherewith will you pay it? It's not the payment of a penny or two. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
The man that doesn't continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them is condemned by everything in the book of the law. And cursed by God. So where will you pay? And with what will you pay? Let me tell you, there is no grace in the popish gospel that you pay either by prayers or by gifts or by works. There is no grace in the pseudo-Calvinistic gospel. And I say pseudo for it is neither Calvinistic nor gospel. That you prepare yourself by the depth of your feeling or the hotness of your tears or the sincerity of your lamenting. There is no merit in anything that any man can do to pay to God Almighty. But I want to tell you, there's power in Jesus' blood. Jesus paid it all. All. Throughout the New Testament, therefore, the command to the man in debt to God is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You recognize your debt? Then let me point you to him who frees the debtor because he has personally paid the debt. The Lord Jesus owed nothing, paid everything. And as Peter got that sight of Christ, it was with that that he went out into the world. It was with that that he went out into the service of the kingdom. It was with that that he could face life and death and eternity. I have a Savior who is the very Son of God, and he assumed my debt in all humility and in all grace. Peter learned from the example of the Savior here as well. So I said, you see his great humility. There's a wonderful statement that the Lord Jesus makes in verse 27, having established the fact that he was exempt from the tribute. Remember in those days, even common rabbis were counted exempt from the tax. On that ground alone, Christ could have claimed exemption, but you notice what he says, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, we'll pay. Stop there and think for a minute. Even nowadays, is there a more despised figure than the tax collector? In those days, they were not a beloved people either. And yet, he says, lest we should offend them. But they're nobodies. Who are they? Why should I worry about a tax collector? Why should I worry about an unbeliever? Why should I worry about uh, such a specimen of humanity as this? Why? Not because of what he is, but because of what you profess to be. You profess to be a Christian, 
You profess the name of the Son of God. There's something much more important than your rights. And that's the honor and the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. Lest we should offend them, I'll give up my rights to establish the honor of the Savior's name. You and I are many, in many ways just like Peter here. He had just come down from the mountain of glory, and now he's right into the everyday crises of life. What do you need first? You need a sight of the Lord Jesus. And with that sight is a second lesson you've got to learn, and Christ makes it very clear here, that if you're ever going to be great in the service of God, you must be emptied of self, and you must learn to live in humility. This is what Matthew 18, the first 14 verses, are all about. This question, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who is the greatest? Mark tells us that they disputed, by the way, who the greatest would be. Luke tells us that there arose a reasoning, an argument. I don't know the exact trigger for this, but I would imagine that there was a lot of talk among the disciples when the Lord Jesus took Peter, James, and John away for a few days up and, and they went to the mount. Uh, we have paid attention only to what was happening when the father brought his demonized son and they couldn't cast the devil out. But can you imagine all those days when Christ was gone, the other three disciples were gone? Can you imagine the, the kind of talk, doubts that were going on among the other disciples? Why is he taking Peter and James and John? Why not me? Who are they that I'm not? What do they have that I don't? Have I not followed them? Have I not led my life in the line just as they have? I think those are the things that were going on. I don't know. I would not be surprised when I read uh, on and Mark and Luke about, especially about James and John. And I would not be surprised, given the natural impetuosity of Peter, that when those three came down, they might well have had a sort of an arrogant attitude. They might well have been a, more than a little superior in their treatment of the others. I don't know. I can only say that when I look at their character and their behavior in other situations, I wouldn't be surprised. All I do know is that here you have the disciples of Christ, and they're in the final run-up to the greatest event in history, and they are going to be part of a mighty explosion of the power of God on the earth. And what are they doing? They're fighting like cats and dogs. The world is going to hell. And God's people are at each other's throat. 
And they're not disputing about some great doctrine. They're not standing in defense of some great item of the faith. It's, look at me. What's my place? You're not giving enough attention to me. I don't have enough prominence. I don't have enough thanks for what I have done. Nobody notices what I have done. Isn't it time you took notice of my worth? That's the kind of thing that was going on. And I tell you... The more things change, the more they stay the same. Here we are 2,000 years later, and are things any different? Are we not still quick to jump to our own defense, to establish our own worth? Is it not true that here we are now in the run-up, not to the death of Christ, but to the appearing of Christ? And what is happening? God's people again spending more time fighting each other than fighting the devil. They all want praise and place and prominence. The Lord Jesus, when he took that little child, called him to him and set him in the midst gave them a classic answer of simplicity and incisiveness on the subject of humility. We have been watching the birds out through our breakfast room window. We sit there and we look at the birds in the mornings. The barnes were noting how many different kinds of birds. This year we've had more kinds of birds, I think, than we've ever seen before. Every shape and size. Well, not every size. We don't have the huge ones. Do you ever notice that it's only small birds that sing? Do you ever hear an eagle sing? Do you ever hear a great big winged brute sing? may be a parable there may well be a parable there the Lord Jesus is teaching his humility it's an old chorus we have learned from our youth up it's only one life will soon be passed it's only what's done for Christ will last but you see that's the question what you do do you really do it for Christ I read a a parable maybe an allegory is more like it it goes way back for many supposed to be a fairly ancient story the angels of heaven were greatly impressed by the sanctity of this very holy man on earth. And so they came, took him aside, and they made him the offer that they would give him great position among the saints. He said, no, They kept on making offers, and finally, they offered him the power of healing 
He said, no. Only God should do the healing. Then they gave him the offer of being able to convert, bring to repentance whom he would. I said, no, repentance is in God's gift. Perplexed, they said, what would you like us to give you? And the story is, they said, I would love the power of doing good to men without knowing it. Think that through. Think it through. What we do, how much of it is really for Christ? And how much of it is really for ourselves? We appear humble, and we're proud of it. Among our ministers, we have this constant banter when we mock each other's humility. And uh, you've heard, no doubt, from many of our men, the, the book that they will always claim someone else wrote. The ten most humble people in the world and how I trained the other nine. But that's the attitude among many of God's people. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak.